Hello, everyone. Quick little PSA. I will be in Chattanooga, Tennessee, December 15th and 16th for the Indoor Climbing Expo. Use the code Mario20 at IndoorClimbingExpo.com to get your tickets. Come up and say hello and give a brother a high five. Some of the proceeds go back to the Global Climbing Initiative to get us back to Malawi, Africa to do more mentorship. And that is what this episode is all about. Hope you enjoy. Lovers and haters, welcome to Sends and Suffers podcast. I am your host, Mario Stanley. If you haven't already, please follow, like, and subscribe to Sends and Suffers podcast. Every bit counts and we would love to hear from you. So take a moment to leave a comment. These go a long way and help others know what they're getting into and how good this show is. If this is one of your favorite podcasts, consider becoming a Patreon for as little as $5 a month. You are investing in Sense and Suffers podcast, and it's like buying your boy a taco, hanging out, and getting to know the good good that is coming your way. Monthly recaps, early show releases, and all the other cool things that we do. Thank you so much for listening to Sense and Suffers podcast. Organic Climbing is the official sponsor of Sense and Suffers podcast, and if you didn't know, now you know. I have been using this company's products since before my podcast, since I basically started rock climbing, they're cool, they're rad, they're customizable. You can get bouldering pads, chalk buckets, backpacks. They've got shoes. They've got almost anything you can conceive to make you look fly, to make you functional at the crag. Check out Organic Climbing. Put in Sends and Suffers at your purchase. It helps this podcast out and really support someone who has been supporting the conception of climbing communities since the beginning. Josh and everyone at Organic is all about making sure communities grow. And that is a huge thing coming from a small company that moves massive, massive mountains. So check out Organic Climbing. Tell them I sent you. Let's get into this episode. Paula Horwitt is my guest today. She is the director of the CWA, the Climbing Wall Association. So most of you listening to this most likely climb in an indoor climbing gym. The CWA is the back office and has been building structure for climbing gyms for quite a while. Everything from public policy to route setting to youth programs, all these discussions of the industry happen. So your favorite place you like to pull on, this place makes these things happen. Enjoy. doing really well. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for coming into my little lounge here and hanging out. Yeah, it's great. Also, thank you for letting me like create this lounge. Of course. No, it's (laughs) perfect. It's the perfect place to have you. And we're glad that you're here at the summit. I love it. Beautiful. Um, So I am not going to assume that all the listeners know who you are because in my mind, the rest of the consumer side Mm -hmm. of the world 
this is like the cloak and daggers side <laughs> of the climbing industry. Like they have no idea. So who are you? Mm-hmm. Where are you from? What is your connection to the outdoors? And then I'll ask the rest of the questions later. Perfect. So Paula Horwitz, um, gosh, where do I begin? I joined the Climbing Wall Association just over two years ago as the executive director. Um, <clears throat> it was sort of a serendipitous joining of this team. I am studying, I'm getting my PhD right now in business uh, management. And we had this project to do and it was going out, researching organizations, businesses, and kind of understanding how they are attracting talent, how they are um, in this industry where, or not this industry necessarily, but in this market where we've got young generations coming in, they're coming through a pandemic. How are businesses adjusting to this new mindset? So going through researching different organizations and I stumbled upon the Climbing Wall Association. I love uh, membership trade associations, not-for-profits. And there was just something that resonated with me in the job description. Not only is it connected to an industry that I'm passionate about, and I've been, you know, just a climber in my own right for many, many years. Um, but I said, hey, I'm, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring and went through the process. And the day that they offered me this position, I, my mind was blown. Um, <clears throat> I'm very drawn to that passion lifestyle and building your message, building who you are and being able to affect others in an industry that you're passionate about. My husband has done that for years and I was always very jealous of him. (laughs) When I got this opportunity, I was like, oh, hey, we're on the same playing field now. So it's been great. Awesome. What uh, industry does he do this for? So he was a professional snowboarder for many years. Oh, yeah. And the name that we all know. uh, He's I mean, he's a little bit older now, um, but he was uh, one of the original members of the U.S. Uh, snowboard team, first Olympic team. So oh, okay. yeah, great, g- great guy. But after he retired, oddly enough, he, uh, he said to his coach one day, when, when that kid starts coming up in competition and beats me, I'm going to retire. That kid was Sean White. So it didn't take long, <laughs> <laughs> um, but okay. yeah, he's just built his life off of passion and, uh, you know, in the snowboard and snow industry for many years. And now in the motorcycle industry, which is our other passion And he wakes up every day excited for the day. There's not a moment that you see him saying, oh, I have to go to work and I have to deal with these things. And that was missing for me for many years. And so I found this and every day I get to be a part of the climbing industry. I get to meet incredible people that are making a difference in this industry, not just for your climber, but for the businesses and for the growth of something, a sport that can change people's lives. So I'm just thrilled. It's you awesome. guys sound like a power couple. Hey, thanks. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. He's, um, he's a pretty cool guy. I'm into this. <laughs> oh man. So, um, okay. So, and how long have you been rock climbing for? Oh gosh. Uh, I, <laughs> the very first time I was on a, uh, Gosh, and it, it was a manufactured wall, but it was outdoors. I was a junior in high school, so late 90s. Okay. Um, went through high school, college, just actually climbing around the Pennsylvania area. I grew up in, in Erie, uh, McConnell's Mills, you know, some, some great climbs here in yes. the area. Um, and then I moved out to Colorado after college. So spending time out there, my very first indoor gym um, was an old theater that had been converted. 
back when they had, you know, the rubber tire mm -hmm. for the flooring and such. So <clears throat> it's come a long way since then. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. I right. remember I, uh, the very first gym I ever truly worked in, we didn't have rubber floors, thanks God, but we had this like fake foam flooring. Yeah. And it was like, maybe I want to say about this thick. Yeah. Yeah. And then we used to drag around a sauna drag mats yeah. around the whole gym. <laughs> and I will, I'll admit like my best climbing partners and friendships I've made were all mm -hmm. during that time frame oh, because yeah. that's when people still had to spot each other very yes. heavily in a climbing gym. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I had to like anchor into the floor to belay anyone because I'm not a, a very big person and it, it just didn't have, you know, the sophistication that we have these days. And so I'm clipping into things on the floor to make sure that no one goes flying from a top rope. And it was, I mean, th how things have changed, it's far better. Oh yeah. Far better. Oh, yeah. Awesome. yeah. I've, <laughs> the kids that I coach, sometimes I look at them, I'm like, you have no idea how good you have it. Right. Like you have absolutely no clue. It was, yeah. it was, I'm not going to say indoors climbing and outdoor climbing had the same risk of injury or anything like that, right. but they were close oh, back in yeah. the day. They were Absolutely. Absolutely. So can you describe the CWA to, um, this to the everyday climber? Like what yeah. is its function? How does it work? And I think maybe a better, a, a bigger question is, is how does the CWA continue to make your everyday climbers indoor experience better and their local gym? Awesome. Awesome question. So first half of that, what, who is the, the climbing wall association? So membership organization that is um, really focused on finding or creating um, structure, growth, professionalism for the indoor climbing uh, professionals. Mm -hmm. So primarily we are working with owners, operators, uh, managers, route setters, coaches in the indoor space. Uh, we work to create certifications and standards resources, professional development opportunities. Um, the summit every year, which obviously mm -hmm. thank you for being here. Um, the CWA summit is an opportunity to bring our vendors uh, face to face with their consumers, the gym owners, making those connections, understanding the new technology in the industry, creating those uh, networking opportunities, both for gym owners to share ideas. And then of course, to do business with the vendors that are impacting as mm -hmm. well. Um, you know, we work really, really hard to, um, uh, find place for everyone that is, has a role in the operational side of indoor climbing. So we don't just say, Hey, we're going to focus only on the gym managers and the owners. We recognize that there's a whole team, often a family that are working day in and day out to bring an incredible experience to the climbers in their community. Mm -hmm. And so we, want to offer uh, the support and the growth for the front staff, you know, the front desk, customer service, how to handle challenging situations, how to respond if something were, you know, trip and fall even yeah. uh, in this space. So 
we want to uh, kind of just create those good business practices. Um, we want to be an advocate and we are a voice and an advocate for the industry through the development of standards and industry practices. Um, we also work to support regulatory issues in the states, um, supporting those that may be uh, coming up against something with uh, building inspection, those mm. types of things, because our industry is so unique and those that are sitting in the seats and writing legislation don't know and are not informed oh, yeah. enough to make decisions necessarily. So we help those conversations and we help provide the data that's necessary to protect our, our gyms and, and what they're doing every day. Um, and a big part of that that we are working on is this idea of, of really collaborating. So how can we bring different uh, gym models together to share what they're doing to build the community, build community with their climbers mm. to build their programming. So we're building the the kids that are coming in. How are we connecting with them? You know, is there an opportunity to look at your population around your gym and say, Hey, we've got some underserved kids here and they're climbing changed my life. Climbing has changed everyone that yeah. gets into climbing can say it's impacted them. Oh, it fundamentally changes you at your core. Exactly. Yeah. And to be able to support the gyms that have that opportunity. I mean, I go to sleep every night just feeling so good about what this team does and what we're able to do to support. And at the end of the day, that is what the Climbing Wall Association is. We are here to serve this industry. We're membership driven. So we want to build the value. We want to build the resources. We want to do what our members need. So we listen, we want the feedback and, and we try to create those programs that they're looking for. Is there any unique program or any unique might be a, a, a broad stroking word in this situ in such a niche that sure. this is, but is there any program that's come up in the years that kind of like caught your attention? Like, Oh wow, I didn't realize we needed to do that or something that just kind of stood out to you over the years. Yeah. You know, um, this May 2023 is the 20-year anniversary of the official forming of the Climbing Wall Association. And prior to that, we were sort of umbrellaed under a few different organizations. But the catalyst for that was the need to have an insurance program for the indoor climbing um, facilities that could understand the inherent risk pieces of climbing, understand that we're not amusement parks, right? There's mm. a, a very specific way to approach this industry as a sport. And so that was the driving force of creating the Climbing Wall Association needed to band together and get an insurance provider, an insurance pool that would uh, create the stability and and protect this industry. So that's where this started from. And, uh, yeah. you know, I'm, I, it's an honor to be able to still connect with those individuals and, and have them a part of the industry to this day. Um, but from there recognized that, you know, in an industry that compared to most is still very, very young, there is a need to have some consistency and some standardization to, again, protect the industry. If we've got one gym doing it over here one way and, and another completely different way, yeah. and then something does happen, how do we say one way was right and the other facility did something wrong? So creating a baseline of, hey, this is, this is kind of the, the minimum 
that's going to allow us to, um, you know, continue to keep our doors open, allow us to continue to serve the communities that, that we are situated in and keep our businesses, keep our doors open. Um, so developing best practices and industry standards, um, that has been huge, of course. And then, um, you know, we are right now we're launching this community hub. Yeah. You mentioned that yesterday after yeah. the keynote speaker. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's been a little bit of a brainchild for a while and so lucky to have the, the team on the climbing wall association that we have just phenomenal, passionate individuals that said we're bringing this to fruition. And so this community hub actually serves two purposes. Uh, the first is a platform, an online platform that was designed specifically for this industry. We designed it in-house. Okay. We took into consideration all of the players from your route setters to your owners, to your front desk staff, your, you name it. And we've created a space where you can go in and jump into various forums. We have some conversation starters in there, but really we want this to be a living organism organism mm -hmm. that is taken on by our members communicate, share ideas. I've got this problem. I, I don't know how to deal with this or, Hey, I, I ran this incredible program. I want to share it with you guys. It really, you know, gave us an opportunity to connect with our LCO or mm. whatever it might be, have a place to share those things, have a place to ask questions and, um, just continue that collaborative connections, you know, building that we've seen this whole week here at our annual summit. Um, so that's the first side of it. And then once people are really engaged in that, again, from our service side of it, we want to be in there just saying, Hey, this is a hot topic right now. Okay. It's our job to help. It's our job to find the resources, to find the experts, to help find a solution. Is that a webinar? Is that working with the insurance partner that we have? Is it, you know, working with other organizations in the climbing industry as a whole so that we can help our members get what they need. What are they looking for? So that's how the CWA will not only kind of uh, host this platform, this hub, but also remain engaged so that we can be constantly preparing, be both responsive and proactive in terms of meeting the needs of this ever changing and rapidly growing industry. Yeah. The landscape has changed and I can yes. only imagine like, like we just talked about, like, you know, the, from the days of drag mats all the way to commercial floors, yeah, all the way to, you know, I mean, some, I've, I don't know if we have them here in the United States, but gyms that have virtually deep water soloing ball pits yeah. underneath them. I mean, yeah. like, it's, it's funny and it's interesting that I, I forgot that, you know, it, gyms were once, once classified as amusement parks. Yeah. And cause I remember this cause one of the very first early gyms I ever worked in was Dallas rocks way, 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 way back in the day. And I remember talking to the owner and he's like, yeah, we're classified as an amusement park. And I remember looking around, I'm like, there's nothing amusing about this. No, there's, there's no Ferris wheel whipping around in no, here. No, <laughs> no. And so I think that's a, that's a big, big, big thing that, the general public does not know exactly because I know, I mean, personally I've had people, people who do not, don't know anything about rock climbing. They're like, Oh yeah. Like, so you work at like a main event. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, 
Not at all. No. Nope. I can't even give you a not quite. Like yeah. maybe like 10, 15 <laughs> years ago, I could give you a not quite. Right. But like right now, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and to that point, there's actually still many states that loosely have climbing included in the amusement park oversight, which is one of the regulatory and, and legislative pieces that we keep a close eye on. Um, and when our member gyms reach out and say, hey, you know, we've got something going on right now, that's where we're able to kind of bring in this data and we're able to really help educate those that are sitting in those seats to mm -hmm. create that clear distinction. You know, mm -hmm. there's a, a similarity across many of the states when it comes to defining things under that amusement umbrella is having staff situated. You know, you go to the amusement park and you yeah. hop on a roller coaster. You're not buckling yourself in. You might, but they're coming around and they're checking and they stand there and they're letting you in. They're letting you out. Keep your hands and arms inside the ride at all times. That's not what this sport is. No, absolutely not. You know, it's independent. It is very community based, but, um, you know, there's a method, there's intentional thought to walking up to the wall, having your harness on, tying in, looking at your route. And that, that is such a core element of the mental, emotional connection that climbers have with their climb, with the route that they're looking at indoor wall or outdoor. Mm -hmm. As you said, there's nothing amusing about that. It is fun and it is thrilling in all the ways that amusement is. But there is something much deeper oh, to, it's personal. to this. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, anyone like, you know, there are so many memes, like, uh, you know, memes about rock climbing. It's like mom's mom thinks his child is on drugs because all he talks about is how he can't do V4. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like there's all these things. And I think climbing is just such a personal thing. Right. And if you do it and, you know, I, I there are a few sports that I think that have the uniqueness of climbing, like. One for me is like whitewater rafting yeah. or stand like paddling, like, uh, like that sport is unique in its yeah. way. It's like it, it, when you are on it, it's you in your own lane. When you're exactly. on the wall, it's you in your own lane. Yep. And I think once you experience that, that is why people just all of a sudden dive head first, fall in love with climbing, fall in love with climbing gyms. And if it's something where they have to drive 45 an hour, two hours yeah. away, they'll do and I think that kind of segues into the next part of like, you know, the amount of potential new gym owners yes. here is pretty staggering. Yes. And so I, um, I'm just curious, like, is this something you keep in track of? Like, do you have more new gym owners that show up? Do you have more existing gym owners that show up? There's what, roughly around six, 600 plus gyms in the United States? Oh yeah, more than that. Um, gosh, they, to, to your, direct to your question, they are popping up rapidly. Yeah, and I mean, they're growing it, like weeds. Yeah, and it's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. Um, and it really speaks for... This isn't just a fad, right? No, you know? no, no. This is a $3 billion. Exactly. Like you, when you, once you reach B's, yeah. you've gone beyond that. Exactly. I mean, there's a significant investment to getting into this business. And yeah, sure, you're getting a lot out of it too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But it, it's not, 
you know, kind of your McDonald's franchise model where they can just kind of pop up everywhere, no, you know, work. it doesn't work that way. No. So to see the growth in this industry is unbelievable. And that's really what brings us back to those standards and, and best practices, because when you have this rapid growth and you have a lot of new players coming into the field, that can really start to deteriorate those risk management practices. Mm. Um, and you start to get a lens, right? You're starting to get spotlighted and, and you can start to run into some challenges. And we have not experienced that yet. And I think a lot of that does come from the fact that there's not only the financial investment of getting into this business, but it, there's that passion investment as well. And that is still what is dominating those that are coming in. At our show this year, we definitely have um, a small population of prospective owners, those that are preparing to open their gym um, or those that are just in the infantile, you know, mm -hmm. I, I want to do this. How do I do it? Um, so what that speaks to, for me at least, in, in terms of analyzing who's here and the demographics of that is that this industry recognizes the importance of the continued networking and mm -hmm. collaboration and just maintaining those relationships because that's what this industry started on. It was a couple of guys that said, I want a place to just go climb with my buddies all the time. And I don't have to set up the ropes every time. And I just want to, you know, talk shop and run some routes. Mm -hmm. So let's build a wall. Well, let's just have everyone come over. Let's do it. That still kind of continues through when you see everyone get together here. It's like, Oh my gosh, I saw you got this expansion or, Hey, you know, I picked your brain on this last year and I've been testing it a little bit. Can we talk more about it? Mm -hmm. And it is, that's, what's going to continue in this industry for sure. But to have those. <clears throat> Take your time. I just inhaled dust. <coughs> Don't worry, that, that <coughs> giant horsefly was trying to eat I, me I earlier. <laughs> Hold on one second. Why don't we have yeah. a quick little pause? I want to Perfect. One little thing with you. <coughs> a little bit of room here. I just like inhaled dust. <laughs> You're going to have to edit this all out. Oh, I do. Oh, good, good. Because I'm just dying over here. <laughs> <coughs> okay. All right. We're good. Boom. Yeah. I'll keep this in my hand for a second. Yeah, yeah. Put it on the table. That's what the table is. No, there I don't for. want Starbucks in your video. Uh, hold on. I don't support that. Um, we're good. We're good. I was about to say, I might have a sticker <coughs> I can slap on Dude, it. Dude, we're good. We're good. Um, I forget what I was saying. Uh, two guys, like, like this industry started because, you know, people just wanted to replace the rock climb and not having to always go outside, set up a rope. It, like right. it didn't, they didn't want to have to have an Epic right. every day. Exactly. And exactly. then I think what we were segueing into more is like new gym owners coming into this. Cause that's like the staggering amount of new people and wanting new information. Yeah. Getting into this. Now, do you find that, um, do you find that, uh, how would I, I'm trying to think about how to say this. Do majority of gym owners come to this event? Once again, the staggering amount of new people that I find here wanting to open a gym is high. Like I've been talking about two aspects of myself being here is obviously my podcast and helping uh, Karima with the adaptive, yep. uh, adaptive climbing group. 
But then also I've been youth coaching for over 20 years yep. and I've managed a program of 200 kids, a five tier level program. Amazing. And I love it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, some people have talked to me about doing some consulting work yeah. and some things like that, which I'm happy to do. Um, you know, but a lot of these are new gyms and some of them are smaller gyms that are existing. Yeah. My question is, is like, do you find that mo majority of gyms in America come to this event? And if that is a yes, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And do you believe that's because of the classes and things like that? If that's not quite yet, then why do you yeah. think not everyone is just swarming to this event? Because, yeah. you know, it's not as big as OR. No, no, definitely and, not. And it's not, and I don't think it's supposed to be. No. You know, or big gear show, thank right. God. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, but at the same time, it is really unique. And I think it's mm -hmm. something that like a lot of the community in the industry can like be a part of. Absolutely. So, yeah. So the question is, that's a long rant. So the question yeah. simply is, is um, do most of the gyms in America come mm -hmm. to this event? So I'm going to answer that two ways. Um, we have a great uh, percentage uh, that are members of the CWA. Um, we don't, not everyone. Of course, we would love to have every gym, <clears throat> excuse me, be a member of the CWA. Um, but, you know, they referenced it a little bit yesterday uh, in the, the chat before the keynote, before Karima joined us and was talking about in the times when this industry was just getting off the ground, there was a lot of uh, protecting a lot of, I don't want you coming into my space. This is my deal. This mm -hmm. is, you know, Geeky my crag. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's, always a little bit of that, not in, you know, a negative way, but I do think that there is still a little bit of that protecting my brand, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, when we look at the demographics of who is coming to this event each, each year, the highest percentage we see are gym owners and really gym managers and senior staff. So the owners are recognizing that this is an event where their managers, their senior staff, their daily decision makers that influence the strategic direction of mm. their organization can come and they can get the networking. They can get these sessions and okay. the education and the professional development. They can have the right conversations with the vendors in the expo space and they can build those relationships. Next of next largest is the owners. And when you think about that breakdown, you've got, you know, a mom and a pop or a small group that are the owners. And then as you go through the organizational structure, you have more managers than you do owners. Mm -hmm. So it's the right balance to see. We have a really good number of route setters this year that joined us um, higher than uh, what we've seen in the past in terms of coaches and programmers, um, you know, developing the programs, whether it's youth or competition. Um, so that's been great to see what that tells us is that we are getting the message out that the CWA recognizes this isn't just about the highest decision makers, not just about the owners, but our route setters are, they're professionals. Coaches are professionals. You know, we've got our, our programmers that are doing amazing things to build community in their gyms, to serve kids all the way through adults, you know, the adaptive climbing programs, the inclusivity programs, you name it. And so they're coming here recognizing that this is where they can find others that 
are as passionate about it, sharing those same ideas. Mm -hmm. And I think as this industry grows so rapidly and we have these gyms popping up left and right, the initial focus is opening the doors, getting the systems running, getting the operations moving. Yep. And sometimes you have to have a little stumble and then you say, ah, here's, here's this group out here. Here's this mm -hmm. industry that I'm a part of and I can go contribute to and also gain from. And so we recognize that there's a, the larger number of new gyms are in that category. Yeah, yeah. But there are a number that, you know, reach out as prospective owners and, you know, we've got industry mentioned industry standards, best practices, but we also do, um, you know, research. Uh, it, it was annual for a little while. Of course, COVID took a yeah. little hit on that, um, but we're getting trends in the industry and sharing that kind of data is so helpful to those that are looking to open a gym, whether it is to understand, um, you know, market research, where should I go with my model? What's the best um, community that I want to be a part of? all the way through to understanding how to frame the, the finance side of that to investors or, you know, private equity, whatever it might be, um, getting a loan, whatever, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but having those resources available as well. So um, it's about creating a member value story that meets each unique gym owners, managers, or prospective owners, key stakeholder in the industry, making sure that they understand that the CWA can provide that for them. So I, yeah, that's awesome. And I want to, I want to trend towards sure. like your route setters and your coaches. Yeah. And I think it's also too, uh, one thing that people don't realize is how much educational classes, clinics and training and other things that are made available here yeah. too. Um, you know, I feel like route setting is like the sexy side of the industry. For that's sure. why I can see it exploding in a lot yeah. of people <laughs> because, you know, I route set for many years before mm -hmm. I, uh, well, no, I route set and coach for many years. Started started coaching first then started route setting. And then I think I route set for about 10 years. Yeah. And then I just, I stuck with coaching. Cause yeah. you know, like this I where your heart, little heart is. Yeah. It was definitely, <laughs> I being blatantly honest, it's definitely where my heart was. And then it was a nicer paycheck. Oh, so for sure. yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, I think like I can definitely see in that side because route setting is just, it's this, it's always, I think it's commercial route setting. And I believe that has definitely been mm -hmm. something that is, needed a lot of help because it's definitely, mm -hmm. it's, it's wildly different yeah. wherever you go. Yeah. And I think also that does cater to the area. Like mm -hmm. you come to Texas, bouldering tends to be a little stout, sure. you know, like climbing in the Northeast, the rope climbing tends to be a little stout. Mm -hmm. And I think those characteristics definitely need to stay in my personal opinion. But yeah. I do think it is wildly different when you have people route setters who are like, I set art and I'm like, this is a commercial route. Yeah. And then I'm like, this is not a competition. <laughs> sure. We're not yeah. like, I get that you want to be Picasso of climbing, but like, it's not today. And so I'm excited that that's a big thing. What is the overall attendance from coaches? Because mm -hmm. this is obviously me being a coach of 20 years. This yeah. is a, in, this is a side of the industry that I'm very passionate about and yeah. extremely opinionated on. <laughs> um, yeah. And so it's like, you know, I know for me, like the biggest problem that I see and I, you know, and I don't know if this is being addressed mm -hmm. in, and that I haven't heard about it, but like career coaches is not a thing. Yeah. And it's like, I think I'm one of the few in the country mm -hmm. at my level. Cause I focus, especially like my heart and soul exist in recreational level feeder teams. Yeah. I like being a recruiter for elite level teams. 
Can I coach an elite level team? Absolutely. But they don't need my help. Sure. Yeah. Well, the kids, the kids who are being dropped off and their parents are like, this is something you're going to do because we need to get you out of the house. Right. They don't want to be there. <laughs> And the yeah. problem that I find is, you know, and then this is kind of a little bit of a rant, but I also just kind of like want to put it out there in the ethos. The problem that I find is, you know, you don't have a lot of career level coaches right now yeah. at, unless they're at that elite level. So all the other coaches down below at my level are usually teenagers yeah. or people are for, for prior to coaching and they don't care that the kid who doesn't want to be there doesn't want to be there because right. they're like, well, I only want to coach the kid that wants to be here. Right. And so we're having this massive disconnect mm -hmm. and you know, there, this is, this whole topic is another podcast in itself. <laughs> so, so I want to be very well, clear. Well, my calendar. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we can talk about it before. Yeah. Um, later, but, um, but like has, is, is that an aspect of youth programming and coaching that the CWA has seen that is, in my opinion, is suffering mm -hmm. in, in, a, in a big way because mm -hmm. everybody cares about who gets on podium right, in the next right. Olympics. Like everybody right. cares about uh, France and L.A. Yeah. And everybody else and the, all the rest of the kids are on the wayside, <laughs> which drives me nuts. Of course. Of course. Um, you know, it's I, I can look at this in, in two ways. Um, I prior to joining the CWA and a few other uh, roles that I held in the nonprofit, I was an educator. I taught middle school for Oh, you know exactly years. what I mean. I do. I do. So um, I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, you've got the kid that's super easy to teach. You know, they do their homework every day. They show up. They're excited. They're yeah. studying. You're like, ah, if only everyone could be like this. They're the easiest kids in the world. Yeah, yeah. My passion was to connect with those kids that were, you know, head down challenging, not because they weren't bright, not because they weren't capable, but they were lacking their own self-confidence. They didn't know who they were. They didn't know how to be confident in this space. And, mm -hmm. you know, I have two beautiful daughters, amazing daughters. I'm very proud of them. Um, one's in college, the other's uh, getting close to finishing up high school. And as an educator and as a mom, you look at children and you're like, I produced these two they could not be more staggeringly different, right? Um, and, and I bring that up because there's something so special, so unique and amazing about each of them. Same as the case when you get 10, 15 kids in at one time, you know, all 200 of your kids, it, you can pick out something amazing about each of them. Absolutely. What I think from the business side of things that should be talked about at least is we still have a number, vast popular, excuse me, the vast number of gyms are still smaller gyms, mm -hmm. independently owned. And so the ability to generate the staffing to support that, um, those programs is challenging. It is. I, I agree. I definitely agree. So um, I think that it is something the CWA recognizes. And it's one of the catalyst points that we can address in this community hub is how are we sharing ideas with those that are at this elite level now? How are we continuing to support your coaching with, mm -hmm. when I say elite, I mean you with your years of experience mm -hmm. and, and the, um, the ability you have to reach so many different individuals, kids. Um, and how do we create a program that our gyms can take to train up? those teenagers that come in and have an interest mm -hmm. and show them that there is a career path here. And it's something we've been talking about with route setting, you know, 
there's, um, I would think, I feel like route setting is just kind of a little bit further down the line from coaches in terms of moving their work towards that. This is a, a career. I can do this as a profession Yeah. and coaching is coming along that line just a little bit behind, not that it is any less, but just pick up in the process a little bit behind that. The number of colleges and universities that have started to build out their recreation program degrees, and most of them fall under the outdoor rec programs, mm -hmm. right? But that's transferable, obviously, yeah, to the agree. indoor space. Those career paths have started to blow up in the college and university space. And then you look at your, uh, like your two-year colleges, the mm -hmm. Colorado Mountain School, things like that, that have had these programs their numbers, their enrollments have started to increase exponentially along with the growth of some of the industries such as ours. So I think that we're seeing the, the foundation be built for coaching to get to where you want it to be, where you see its potential to be having gone through kind of like you, you dug the path for it, right? Mm -hmm. You trudged through that and you had to put the time and effort in to navigate a path that wasn't there. You created that and it's come, it's coming. It definitely is. I think that there's a lot that kind of has to fall into line yeah. all at the same time. I agree. Um, but with the, uh, the community hub through the CWA, not only do we have that community side of it, but we also have uh, this training and uh, certification side of this platform and so we have um, both blended and fully online opportunities to uh, get, you know, climbing wall instructor certified. Um, we're building out route setting. We're building out some coaching training. And mm -hmm. it might not be at first a comprehensive coaching training program, but to begin to put together pieces that prepare individuals to work with someone like you as a mm -hmm. mentor, right? Because they come in with a little bit of a foundation. They come in with some understanding of body movement of, mm -hmm. you know, how to handle 15 kids, yeah, yeah. how to, you know, talk to parents, how to give good feedback, how to be engaging, um, how to understand the movement of kids on the wall versus teenagers versus adults and adaptive and girls versus boys, women versus men, and begin to kind of lay those foundational pieces for them you need that to be a good coach. You need yeah. to be able to read people as much as you can talk techniques, right? Or technicalities. Yeah. I think that I definitely agree with you. And, you know, I think like that emphasis on the coach and getting them moving forward, I think has the conversation also been brought up with like understanding like the policies of the gym, because oh, I think that's like, in my opinion, I think that's honestly the biggest hurdle that I've talked to. Cause like in talking about doing some consulting with the gym owners here, the number one thing, the answer, the first question I get is all the time is like, well, so when we start our comp team and I'm like, stop, <laughs> like very stop. Like if you're going to open a gym, my suggestion is, is like, don't even worry about starting a comp team for five years. Right. And they look at me like I shot their dog <laughs> and it's just, and I get it. Like you, you have an ROI and a bottom line that you yep. got to get to that. But like when we look at lifetime value of a customer, you know, I started coaching kids at the age of three. They graduated at the age of 19. Right. You think of like, you know, let's just say the littlest program is $50 a month. The most expensive program 
is $200 a month. And then you have a couple of variations in between. If you do the math between shoes, between gears, between trips, between competitions, between friends, birthday parties, like the dollar amount adds up. And I think one of the biggest hurdles is, you know, not only like, I think coaches, so when I'm hiring a coach, I always say this, like, I can teach you to be a great coach. That's not the hard yeah. part. The hard part is making you care. The hard part is showing that, like, and showing that you, the kids and you care. Yeah. The hard part, I think, like, right now, and this, and this is a conversation that I think needs to happen, and I don't know if it's already happening, but I think one of the hardest part is, is, like, showing gyms that, like, reallocating your resources to understanding that you're programming mm-hmm. for these programs and these kids that is not glorified babysitting. It's not this and understanding that like, it's like, you know, like you have children. I mean, like for the first five years, you're just trying to make sure they don't kill themselves. (laughs) You know, it's just like, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Stay away from that. That's hot. That will electrocute you. That will eat you. Yeah. You know? And, um, I think like in my mind, I think that's one of the biggest hurdles that we're having because once again, like, People, people put millions, I mean, millions into these facilities. Like, I think what the average is like, I was talking to someone and they were ruffling, like like the average gym is going to be around like over almost just $2 million just to be able to get into it. And so there is this mindset that like, I think programming is always the after side. Like it's like program. This is what I always say with people. People treat programming and new programs like they think about building the fitness center. Mm-hmm. Like, like let's build the walls, let's build this. Oh, we totally forgot about building where to people for just to hang out. Right, right. Do we, yeah. we need more hang space than wall space. Oh, wait a minute. Well, we'll just build like a place with a bunch of dumbbells. And like, no, like, like there are gyms where I know people literally just have a membership to the climbing gym because they're like, it's the best deal in town. I get yoga, fitness. And then I'm, I guess I'll learn how to rock climb, you know? And I think that's it. And I think those things are in the same category. And I understand this is a little bit of a rant for me. And I'm just kind of speaking my piece as a coach and sure, yeah. someone who's traveled around. And, you know, I deliberately ask to like, if I can shadow youth programs, I deliberately show up when their youth programs are running. And I watch mm-hmm. and I just, I watch and I like to see how people engage with athletes. And yeah. sometimes I'm like really happy. And a lot of times, sadly to say more than not, I'm pretty heartbroken and like what I see because you know, and I have to like really reel myself back. Sure. And I understand mom and pop gyms, like you guys are making it happen. And some big chain gyms, I'm still, I'm kind of like, like you are like a $7 million, $17 million company. <laughs> like what's going on here? Um, yeah. But I think that's like, you know, I guess as an ass, like my question, if that's, if that part of the conversation is not happening, I think like, I think that's putting the heart, the cart before the horse. So, You know, I think it's a challenging question for me to answer specifically. And I say that because, um, you know, as you mentioned, there's various business models, right? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a variety, like there are spices in a kitchen. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's opportunity in in all of them. Um, You know, I think our our, our bigger um, multi-locations, they're doing something right. Oh, absolutely. And, And it is the right flavor for the right clientele. And I, I love it. I think more power to it. Let's support them. We've got our smaller independent mom and pop and they've got their flavor and they're meeting their clientele and their consumers. And um, is there opportunity for growth on both sides of that pendulum swing? Of course. Yeah. And I think programming and coaching is um, 
you know, a, a lot of people talk about the, the product of their gym, right? And it's the walls and, and the routes. And I think that's where our route setters have, mm-hmm. have their gift that they bring in and, and their skill set. And then we have their programs and we have their, um, their coaching and competitions. And that's another um, piece of their brand and an, another product that they have to offer their community. And it is part of, of the growth and it's part of the, um, I don't necessarily want to say like maturity, mm. but I do think that it is, um, just finding the right time, as you said, for that business model to put it in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I defer to you in terms of the, the consulting side of it, you know, does it come at the time they open their doors or is it coming five years down the road? I think you hit the nail on the head where you said it, it's about understanding what their business practices are in that moment. And some of them may be poised to do that sooner than others. I wouldn't know that information. You yeah, know? I would say, right. The moment the door is open, it's like, I'm talking to a gym right now. Um, I don't think I can really give their name out right now, but, sure, yeah. um, you know, they're talking to me about programming and I, I was very clearly like you can design the gym around all the programming and the features that you want to have, or you can design the gym and then try and squeeze the programming in. Right. Yeah. And I think for the sake of your community and your mm-hmm. members and creating like this cohesive environment, I think the programming has to start happen right away. And this is why, like I say, people, I think put the, you know, the cart before the horse. And when you mm-hmm. do this, like, you know, it's, it's funny. You, and this is so true. And I think this is a very true statement. You say like the product is the walls and I think people are product. That's why they both begin with P oh. people are products. And huh. at the end of the day, it's like, without the people in the gym, it doesn't matter without the legacy of the kids growing up, and the families that happens. I mean, you got to think about it. Like a kid grows up in an entire gym. The odds of most parents becoming climbers, like I have, cannot tell you how many parents oh, sure. have become climbers because they're like, well, yeah. I'm here all day. Right. Like, what am I going to do? Connect with my kid, you know? Yeah. And like, there are parents in our gym, like, like I heard that those parents have a book club and they read climbing books and then oh, they go rock climbing. And I'm like, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is cool. I mean, I wouldn't have thought it would have happened, right, but, right. and so I think that's like one of the things that like kind of touches my heart, like getting a little emotional here, not trying yeah, to, no. but like, I think I, I agree. Like the product for climbers is the routes on the wall. Yeah. But we as climbing gyms are in the business of creating rock climbers. And so mm-hmm. our product is people. Yeah. And I think this is a big conversation that like, and I'm, I'm going to be very clear. I do not have the answers for this. This is just a conversation that I want to spark. Sure. And I'm hoping to just throw a little Kindle into the fire and hope it grows. And I would love other people to jump into this conversation and I'd love to see this conversation happen. I don't think there's an answer quite yet, but I do think the secrets, like the secret to making the mole good (laughs) is in the mom and pop gyms. I think honestly, cause that's like, you know, like your small town America, your farmer's markets, you're like, that's, that's where communities really kind yeah. of like hub. You think about like community centers in small towns, exactly, like they yeah. are the epicenter. Yep. That's where, you know, there's these little towns in Texas and I was just visiting one and like their community center is where people have weddings, yeah, birthdays. Absolutely. It's where the prom is held. It's also where farmer's market is held. Yep. It is literally the heart and soul yeah. of the community. And they build basketball courts next to it, volleyball courts next to it. And I'm in my mind, I'm like, you know, in Texas, it's like 108 all year, yeah. so hot. And so I'm like, you know, how cool would it be if we could figure out how to have this kind of a set? And in, in, in my personal heart, this is what I want to spearhead into yeah. the world. I want to see 
figuring out how to create programming that is just as good as reasons why people take their kids to the YMCA Absolutely, or yeah. community centers. And yeah. so and I, I think that's, I think it's a safe statement to say that that is um, a, a common thought throughout this industry that mm-hmm. the, the program, the programming can and, and should be contributing to the community in that mm-hmm. way. And I, and I think a lot of gym owners and managers feel that also. Um, I love that you say you want to kind of spark the conversation and you want to put it out there because that's exactly what we're hoping for with the, with the community hub is giving a place for you and others to drop this out there and say, Hey guys, I've been mulling this over. I'm losing some sleep over it. Like, mm. Let's talk about this. Let's get creative with our problem solving. How can we shift the narrative or how do we build the narrative? What, whatever that's that need is right. Mm-hmm. Here's a place that we can do that. Um, I certainly don't have the answers. I, you know, the CWA is, is here specifically to support and serve all niches within this niche industry, you mm-hmm. know, so highly respectful of all the different business models and, and want to um, help them grow, mm-hmm. help them shift with the the dynamic needs um, and help them find the stability as well. Um, and part of that is programming. Part of that is route setting. Part yeah. of that is coaching. Yeah. Part of that is HR, strategic planning, risk Everything. management, insurance. So there's so many aspects that go into it. And that's where, um, you know, having voices such as yours and others that are so passionate about programming can have a place to go, start the conversation and CWA can support that, you know, Hey, yeah. we've been picking up on this. Let's work together to build some resources. Let's work together to get this in front of more gyms that can benefit from this. So that's kind of where I see the CWA being able to support the industry and these, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, thoughts of need growth opportunity um, that people such as yourself are seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would like to take a little bit of a shift because I know there's, you are managing this behemoth of a monster (laughs) along with your team. Thank you. Um, But um, I would like to take a kind of shift towards you. Like, so Outside of, you know, it's, it's obvious that this brings you a ton of joy Absolutely. and this brings you a ton of fulfillment. Yes. But, you know, and you are a climber. Is there anything else that you're doing in your, like, if you have spare time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that you're like seeking trips, adventures, things like yeah. that, that you're like, you're excited on? Because I think it's very important that these, it's very important, no matter how big the organization, no matter how big the company and the nonprofit it's very important to know that it's people Absolutely. running it. And it's very important to that. It's like, you know, it's like one of the things that I, I don't post a ton on social media, about, but, but about my podcast and about right. my thing. But then when I post about like me cooking, that goes wildfire. Right. And everyone's right. just like, oh my God, you're making this. I'm like, why do you even care? Yeah. And then my friend pointed out, he was like, people care about people. Yeah. Not what, so much what you do. They yeah. like your stories. Yeah. But they want to know like, you know, who are you? Who are you? What are you yeah. doing? That's it. And so, yeah. you know, I know you're a mom. I am. Yep. I know you're, hold on one second. Yeah. I just want to wait for this thing to pass by. <laughs> that squeaky wheel. I know. So I know you're a mom. Yeah. You're a climber. Mm-hmm. You're a power couple with you and your husband. Yeah. Apparently, both of you guys are motorcycle daredevils. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say daredevils, but we, we do love our motorcycles. <laughs> 
<laughs> I have so maybe you, a few too many. <laughs> you and my brother would get along. My yeah. brother buys motorcycles from across the country and mm-hmm. rides them back home, fixes them up and resells them. And he has stories of like bikes breaking down on the road. And oh, he's yeah. just like, and I'm like, what? You were stranded in the middle of nowhere on a bicycle, mm-hmm. uh, on a motorcycle. And he was like, well, yeah, I wasn't that bad. I'm like, I, at least in a car, you have shelter. <laughs> no. <laughs> and he was like, it's all the same. So his attitude is like me. And yeah. But yeah, what's going on with you? Like, what are, what can we, what can we hope, what can we support you and cheer you on that oh. you have coming up? Gosh, um, well, definitely hit the nail on the head. Um, motorcycles, being on my bike is, um, it's just, it's where I feel most connected with myself. It's very much um, similar to what I feel on the wall. And I think for many in this industry, what they feel on the wall, I find it first on my motorcycle. It's just something that um, I think I have found myself through in a very unique way. Um, so I l- love them. Uh, my husband actually proposed to me with a, a motorcycle. So <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, there's <laughs> no ring. She doesn't put a motorcycle. No, no. Wow. That's that, a power move. Yeah. He's, he <clears throat> picked out a bike and I was like, Oh yeah, we're doing this. Good choice, buddy. I'll take it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, motorcycles. Definitely uh, looking forward to, to some, some uh, trips on that. I've got, I have a couple bikes um, and with my husband working in the, the motorcycle industry, um, he's, he works at a, a fabulous shop that is a, a, a consignment shop in Denver. And so they get bikes in, you know, I don't want to go through, you know, selling this on my own or trading it in. So they take it in and sell it for them, just help with that process. So I get first eyes on every bike that comes in and I'm like, yeah, put my name on that one, put my name on that one. He said, Paula, we don't have enough room in the garage. I'll make room. Um, but no, I, I love that. Um, so I do, I spend a lot of time on my bike. It, it's kind of where I go to clear my head and can't always get to the wall. I only have, you know, a couple minutes here or there. So I'm, I'm definitely on my bike a lot. Um, I am, as I mentioned, a very proud mom. So a lot of my time is, is just being there, supporting them. I'm, I'm the biggest cheerleader and, and a hard coach. Um, but, uh, I've got a, a daughter that, uh, runs cross country and track uh, at the collegiate level. So try to get to some races and support her. Nice. What does she run? Uh, the track and field was my first love. All right. Yeah. She's a distance runner. So she does uh, long distance cross country and then she'll run the two mile and one mile in track and she's mm. doing great. Couldn't couldn't be more proud academically. She's doing well also. Um, And then my younger daughter is, uh, yeah, she just, she's that kid that you say, oh, when I grow up, I want to be like her. And I still say that to this day. She's (laughs) just got this spirit about her. It's incredible. Um, Wickedly intelligent. Um, But she is the type that uh, like works with her hands. She's a problem solver. She wears her heart on her sleeve. Like she just has this kind of embodiment of like love and lust for life that just magnetizing. Um, but she's doing some really cool things as well. She'll graduate high school with her, uh, diploma, but also, uh, be licensed as an aviation mechanic. So she's put that together. Um, she's doing some training for stunt doubling. So she's going to kind of move into the stunt double world and TV and movies. And like, she's got her, she's, 
she's so she's just damn cool. Let's wow. put it out there. Like she's just a cool kid, and um, yeah, it just amazes me every day. So super proud of them. But uh, yeah, back it off a little bit there. I mean, my kids are nineteen and seventeen. Like, oh, you have two full time jobs what, plus what you actually do because okay. raising children is two full time jobs. They're almost out of the house. There's a void coming. It's approaching. And my husband and I have been talking about that. Like, what's next? Like, what are we going to do? We haven't figured it out yet. I don't know if we'll ever really figure it out. Um, but we're, you know, we're looking for kind of like, what's that next transition for us in terms of our just kind of like family unit. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity. We don't, we don't know what that means yet, but um, okay. I mean, I'm not going anywhere as the beauty of, you kind of look at everything that comes across and yes, you have to kind of take the lessons that are learned, but you also want to say, okay, what, what positives can I take from this? And I think for me that through the COVID pandemic, it was an opportunity for a lot of self-reflection and a, a lot of time understanding being comfortable by myself and comfortable just with my niche family and um, how to, how to look at risks differently. And so he and I are like, okay, it's just going to be the two of us. And we, we're young. We want to do things still. So what's to come? We don't know yet. We'll find out. Okay. Yeah. So. Paula, you're pretty cool. Hey, thank you. I mean, I'm, I'm a little smitten here. Oh, <laughs> sounds like we just need to go climb. Yeah. Let's I'll just go spend like, some time together. I'll you can like, coach me. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm into it. What's your favorite kind of, what do you have a particular style? Is it like single pitch, multi-pitch, big wall, bouldering? Yeah. I spend most of my time bouldering. Okay. Um, I really, it gives me an opportunity to, um, focus in on like just improving my technique, right. Mm -hmm. And not exhausting myself. So push myself. Okay. Let's, let's think about it. Do I have the right placement? Am I adjusting properly? And in those shorter stints, and mm -hmm. then I can kind of get that, um, muscle memory, that repetition going. So I spent a lot of time bouldering and I don't have to depend on anyone else to be there either. So I think, I think this is a motorcycle trait. Cause I took yeah. my brother bouldering climbing and I was yeah. like he was like what do you like to do I like I do the ropes it's long and that and he was he gravitated immediately yeah. towards bouldering which yeah. uh I'm gonna after this I want to get the name of the shop because Absolutely. I think my brother goes to Denver a lot oh, he would yeah. geek out like oh. I mean like he has more bikes like I, I always look at I was like Robbie you don't have enough room in your garage and he yeah. was just like we'll just like move that and then he was like I'll just get a smaller car and I'm like I, do you, I was like do you understand what you're saying here like you're going to get a smaller car to accommodate more bikes. You don't even ride the ball. He was like, I ride them all within a year. Yeah. And I'm like, we don't park cars in, in our garage. There's no room. No, oh, he stopped doing that. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't do that anymore. We had a, uh, we had 14 bikes at one time between dirt bikes, some classic bikes some bikes we were rebuilding and then oh. our daily riders. And yeah, I, I have more than my husband. <laughs> it's a problem. Some people like, <sighs> Oh, you know, just, collect the shoes or you know no, my baseball memorabilia motorcycles mine is cutlery yeah. i have more my friends are always like you don't even use that you've cooked with it like twice and i'm like did you enjoy the food and they yeah. were like and i'm they were like yes and i'm like then i think your opinions need to stay to yourself yeah, you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely we'll connect on it though for All sure right. well i want to thank you for your time Absolutely. i know you're running this event it means a lot that we had an opportunity to talk i'm glad and i look forward to attending many more cwas yes. in the future this is my first one Oh, awesome. Yeah. I've always attended OR and other events, yeah. but like I kind of got burned out on them a little yeah. bit. 
Yeah. And um, yeah, and I just was like, I wanted to attend this. I was actually hoping to attend last year before I left out of the right. country. Yeah. But um, I'm I'm psyched. So Good. this is an amazing event, awesome. and I think it's definitely. I would have to go as far as to say it is definitely the best commercial on the commercial side, the best part of the climbing event I've ever I've, I've been to in a long time. Appreciate it. Well, we're yeah. going to stay connected. Yeah. You know, throughout the year, we've got the hub. We've got. We're just going to get together. We're going to hang. Yeah. Yeah. And do it. Climb. Right. Well, thank you for your time. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, oh, before we leave, yeah. would you like to give anybody a shout out, say hello and where can people connect with you yeah. online? Like, do you, like, do you have socials or anything like that? I do. I've got, um, gosh, I should probably like update my like social tags, but, um, you know, CWA is the best place to go just to connect with me directly. Mm -hmm. Emails right there. Easiest way for sure. And then we can go through social from there. But um, yeah, reach out. I mean, this, the entire CWA team. And to be honest, you want to really talk shop. Let me get some of this team in here because they are phenomenal individuals. They're so passionate about what they oh, do. Okay. So yeah, they're, I'm lucky, so lucky to work with the team that I have. So I would like to, yeah. I would like to talk about maybe doing something like that for Portland. Ah, yeah, let's do it. Okay. Yeah. We've got incredible, incredible people. So All right. yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Paula is an amazing individual and I am so psyched that she is leading the team at the CWA of talented, brilliant, passionate individuals that care about climbing. We all enjoy the benefits of climbing. Most of us do it indoors and out. We tried our best to, but knowing that this team is helping the indoor climbing industry have a bright future gives me a lot of hope considering I work in that industry. Please remember to follow, like, subscribe, and all these things. And remember, was Ascend even worth it if you didn't suffer?